Have you ever wanted to see for yourself what the Bible has to say? Well, you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis, and Vicar Aidan Boone as we explore the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, provide you with some landmarks and guideposts along the way. Welcome to Trek Through the Scriptures. Welcome to Trek Through the Scriptures, episode 40, an orderly account, the Gospel of Luke. This week, we're going to be looking at Luke chapters 2 through 16. And with us this week, uh, we have a special guest, our former vicar, Ben Rantham, uh, who by the time this episode will be airing, will be a pastor, having ordained and installed. But we're recording this shortly after uh, call day. And so, Ben, why don't you fill in the members of Zion, what you know so far about your first call as you have now transitioned from uh, vicar seminarian to candidate Rantham. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's great to see you all and get a chance to chat with you a little bit about Luke. Um, yeah, so uh, when I got back from uh, Vicarage uh, here at seminary, it was, a, it was a weird transition. It's a weird transition going from being in the trenches of ministry to going back to school. Um, uh, well, Aidan, you'll, you'll get to experience that. So uh, but still, school is, school is great. Um, got to learn a lot more things and had a little more control over what classes I picked. I, I really like my exegetical classes. Uh, we're just finishing up a class in wisdom literature, which um, I really enjoyed. It's something that I didn't expect to get to dig into um, as much here at seminary. Um, so as far as my call goes, uh, I found out I'm going to Escanaba, Michigan at Our Savior Lutheran, um, sole pastor position. And uh, it's a congregation, I believe they have around 170 members, worship about 85. Um, it's a fairly young congregation. It was planted, I believe it was a district plant, um, in 86. Uh, and so uh, I've already had a chance to talk to uh, my head elder, uh, the president of the congregation, get to chat with them. I got to talk also with the pastor who uh, was the first pastor at the congregation. Uh, who was there when it when it was founded? Um, he was there for 14 years, so he was able to give me a little bit of information on the history of the congregation. So um, very excited. Uh, it it, it kind of reminds me of a, a smaller version of Zion in a way. Um, this is very laid back. I mean, the people seem very loving, and uh, even the the way they do worship is kind of similar. You know how Zion has the screens in. Uh, um, in the sanctuary, and they kind of do a, a range of different styles. Uh, you guys do a range of different styles, and so it sounds like we'll be doing that as well, uh, contemporary service even, uh, with a little praise team. So I'm very, very excited uh, to get started. Well, and one of the interesting things is, even though you're going to be in the state of Michigan, in some sense, you're going home. Which district are you in again? Yeah, so I'd be going back to my home district, the North Wisconsin district. Uh, so even though I'm up in the UP, um, it's still uh, a part of the North Wisconsin district. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a great district. I was, I was very pleased. Um, it was great to uh, get to talk again with President, uh, uh, District President Lewick. Um, I've already known him fairly well for a fairly long time. Um, so it is, it is good to go back. And so uh, one of the things for the congregation to understand with uh, the next several months here, uh, Ben will have his ordination. He's planning right now to have it at his home congregation. And then the installation will be at his 
a new congregation as he becomes pastor. And uh, we will be filling you in on that information uh, when this episode actually airs, because by that time, uh, Ben will be ordained and installed. So we're really glad to have him with us this morning. One of the reasons uh, we were uh, having Ben back for this particular episode, Aiden and I were discussing as we were getting former vicars and pastors to participate, uh, which episodes they should do. And as many of you will remember, while Ben was here, his Sunday morning Bible class was on the Gospel of Luke. And most of you will remember it was a rather methodical through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, When Aiden got here, he was following in on it. And I don't know that we truly ever finished it, but it was a rather in-depth look. So (laughs) we were very glad to have him back uh, with that. And so as we get started today, uh, it's great to have both Vicar Moon and former Vicar Rampton with us today. And so as we do that, the first question we really have, what is the Gospel of Luke? And Ben, why don't you share with us a little bit like an introduction as to who and what is the Gospel of Luke? Uh, Yeah, so uh, Luke Luke is is unique among uh, the Gospel writers. Um, uh, one of the things is uh, he's he's a Gentile. He's a Greek. Um, he's very he's a very skilled and talented writer. A very uh, talented as far as like Hellenistic standards would have been at that time. Um, and he's writing his gospel. He addresses it or dedicates it to Theophilus. Um, and really, what it is is he's writing this orderly account, um, dedicating it to Theophilus. And the idea is that. He's doing this so that he can have certainty um, concerning the things he has been taught. Um, in other words, the things he had been taught and heard about this Jesus Christ. Um, and so it would seem, it looks like he's writing it to an individual, but there's actually more going on here. He's not just writing it to one individual. It's more of a dedication. Um, and more than likely it is being addressed to him, but it's also being addressed to the church in a way. Okay, and so that's an interesting side note there. So uh, really, there's two audiences in the gospel, really, and you kind of referenced that a little bit there. So uh, Aiden, what are those two audiences, really, that the gospel is being written to? Well, it's interesting that, as you mentioned, Ben, there's this very specific name that's associated with it, but he sort of almost represents the the typical Christian, and therefore it's to the church of his time and then to all of us through Theophilus. Um, he's learned the basics, and now here's a way for you to understand more of what you know. And then within the gospel itself, there's kind of these two different groups of people, and we can we can see ourselves in this a little bit, but it's worth kind of putting ourselves in the shoes of two different perspectives. One perspective is um, all the people within the gospel, including the disciples, the crowds, all of these who don't know what's going on. Um, so it's sort of reading it without, like kind of kind of suspending your disbelief a little bit, pretending you don't know the end of the story. What would these people have heard? How would they have heard this? And then the second perspective would be looking back. So this is more like from the position of Theophilus. Um, from the position of the early church, that you know how the story ends. You know that your your trust is in the resurrected Christ. Um, you know that you've, as you've heard, like as uh, as it says that he's he's been taught about the resurrection of Christ. He's been taught about this whole this whole process. But now here's some more details, and so you can kind of read it with that context in mind. And so it's kind of helpful to put yourselves in both of those shoes, maybe as you're reading through to uh, like. 
if you know the end of the story, how would this, how does this make sense? And then how would it, what would you be hearing or what would you be noticing if you didn't know the end of the story? Um, and both of those perspectives are helpful. One of the things that's rather interesting as you're getting into the Gospel of Luke is to also understand, Ben was referencing this, how he was a rather learned uh, doctor, so he has a greater language usage, more higher vocabulary. And so there's a lot of words uh, in the Gospel of Luke in the original language that are only found in Luke, uh, words that are in the New Testament that are only used once or twice and found in the Gospel of Luke. And so it's a much more formal writing style than we're going to really find in most of the other books that we're reading, uh, except for the book of Acts, of course, written by the same author. Uh, and so as you're reading it, realize that he's using a larger vocabulary. Uh, the translation is sometimes a little bit more tricky because of that fact. And so those of us that have had to study Greek and, and do the translating, uh, Luke is a difficult book to do that simply because of the use of language, more formal, and also the vocabulary. So as we get into that, it also helps as we realize that as we get into the main themes and significant themes that we find there. And one of those really is who is Jesus? And, and we're going to find that really throughout the gospel. And I know Ben talked about this a lot uh, Sunday after Sunday in Bible class, but really uh, Luke keeps coming back, who is this Jesus? And so uh, Ben, what, what was that? What would you say is the significant themes as we're looking through here in the gospel of Luke? Oh, well, there are, Whenever you do it, looking at a book, there's a lot of different themes you can pull out. Um, some of the ones that I really noticed, especially as I was going through, are themes that are like unique to Luke, um, and some things that, especially when uh, you're going through this first part of the book of Luke, that you can watch out for. Um, and uh, there, there's one of them that I found was interesting is just the use of hymns. Um, uh, you don't really see this in any other uh, gospel writer, and we see. Um, songs being sung by Mary, by Zechariah. Uh, we see the angels singing, uh, and then we also see uh, Simeon in the temple. And these are all songs that are actually used in worship um, in our divine service, uh, different divine service settings. And so that's an interesting thing. There's also this inclusion of women that um, you don't see in the other Gospels as much. Uh, and this might have something to do with uh, Luke being a physician, um, it may have something to do with his Gentile background, uh, but you just see this inclusion of women. Um, he mentions women in parables. There's a lot of talk of Mary. Um, he talks about Elizabeth. Uh, we just get a lot more focus uh, on women in the gospel. Um, and then there's the other one I guess I'll just quick mention uh, before I toss it back to you is uh, the inclusion of the Holy Spirit. I mean, Luke you don't notice it right away, but if you read through the gospel and you're looking for it, you'll notice how he gives special attention to the work of the Spirit that we don't see as much in the other gospels. And if we look at Acts, we see this drawn out uh, even more uh, in his writing. Uh, but just one example would be in uh, chapter 11, when he's teaching the disciples um, the Lord's Prayer, um, and he tells this parable, and it's the parable is about asking freely for God to give you what you need. And he ends by saying that God will freely give you the Holy Spirit. He doesn't talk about food or other needs. He talks about the Spirit. And so there, there's this interesting focus um, on the Spirit's work. 
And one of the things we see throughout it is Christ's continued presence with the church. I mean, I think that that's uh, something really critical for us to talk about because it's interesting. The Gospel of Matthew, obviously, more from a Jewish perspective, uh, referencing again and again Old Testament uh, Old Testament prophecies, and Luke is coming from that different perspective, as he said, more of a Gentile perspective. They wouldn't necessarily know, obviously, the Old Testament prophecies. Uh, but yet, nevertheless, a connectivity to God in the past, now God in the future, and who he is. And so his continued presence is something really uh, that we see there. And then that tension about the end times, I think that's also a part of what we have there. Uh, so, uh, Aiden, what about the patterns in, in that we find in Luke? So there's a really interesting pattern that we see in Luke's gospel. And this is something that when I was teaching uh, the Luke, Bible study after you left, Ben, we talked about this some as well, because I went back and did a little review so that I would have my feet on the ground um, to teach the class. And uh, so we, we spent some time thinking about how the, the pattern and the sort of structure of Luke's gospel in a lot of ways has this theme of a journey, um, this journey from from heaven to earth and then back to heaven and be the super simplified version of it. But we really see it in it, it, it gets more detail of Jesus' conception than the other gospels, uh, his birth, and then his death, his burial, resurrection, appearance, and ascension. And obviously between his birth and his death is this journey towards Jerusalem, um, which the, which Luke specifically makes reference of. You'll notice these markers along the way of these sort of transitional journey markers as he gets closer and closer and closer to Jerusalem along the way. So that's another, that's a big theme. Um, kind of a pattern you can trace. You can also follow the theme of just notice how many meals are in this gospel. Um, pay a lot of attention to that because table fellowship is a big thing. And if you re remember like this connection between Luke and Acts, and you can trace that through, we're going to read Luke and Acts in a row for that reason. Um, you can trace that through and you can see how there's this movement from Jesus being present at these meals, um, sometimes in judgment on people like the Pharisees, sometimes in this act of mercy, and then how it's fulfilled in the Last Supper and then continues on into the life of the church. There's always this sort of continued activity of Christ that extends, and this is where the Holy Spirit comes in too, of that Luke really has the end in mind in a lot of ways and that he's he's writing this for the current practicing church and there can they can kind of tie their own weekly activity of gathering around Christ's word and around this meal back to Jesus own life and ministry so that's another big thing that you'll see a lot and there's I mean there's so many unique things that we could talk about with Luke I think another one that's connected as well is um, Jesus as a prophet um, we sometimes talk about Jesus as prophet priest and king, which is kind of a way to get the fullness of what Christ did and not limit him to being just one or the other. Um, Luke Luke does kind of give that prophetic aspect quite a bit, even in some of the Old Testament references that since we've been reading through the Old Testament this year, you might be able to recognize um, some of these references that really tie Jesus to the work of the prophets that came before and set him up as their, their greatest fulfillment um, as a prophet himself and more. Um, so those are some other aspects as well. One of the things that uh, we've talked about often in this trek through the scriptures as we've transitioned from one book to the next is how God uses each uh, of his special men in the writing of the book. While God is the ultimate author, the that he uses them 
where they're at and what they know. And it's rather significant, really, when you think about it, Luke being a physician, that the uh, information and uh, around Jesus' birth, the conception, the actual birth, is really found in the Gospel of Luke. So the doctor focuses in on the medical part, you know, the the birth and where the birth was, and 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 so forth. If you remember back when we looked at Matthew, uh, Matthew focuses in on uh, the fact that there was uh, the. Uh, keeping, you know, that Caesar Augustus said all should be accounted for so that numbers kind of part of things. So he uses them and their perspective and their experiences. And here we see that with Luke, not only the fact that it's a more formal writing style, but also some of the information he gives us is something that he would be more uh, closely tied to in his own profession and does that. And, and so we see that as well. Now we're getting a little bit into the structure. And uh, this is where it's important to understand the structure since Luke is a little bit more formal writing style. Uh, his structure is a little bit more formal. So as we mentioned at the very beginning of our podcast today, we talked about the prologue, introducing uh, who Luke was, what the, who he was going to, you know, uh, writing to Theophilus and really the entire church. And then we get into the infancy narrative. And that's just what I was talking about there. The fact that traveling to uh, Bethlehem, and she's pregnant, and while she was there, the time came for her to have the baby, and the fact that it was, uh, the birth was not even in the normal circumstance. Uh, there, oftentimes, we have uh, pictures in our mind with all the various shows we've seen along the way, uh, but, you know, the, the listen closely to the different information related to the birth as it's written in Luke. You, um, you want to somehow wall off all the pictures you have in your mind that you've seen over the years and actually read the text and try to understand exactly what it's saying and not come in with misconception, uh, preconceived conceptions, because it's easy to cloud what really it's talking about there. And I think you talked about that a little bit, uh, Ben, when you were introducing the gospel, right? The preconceived notions that people had. Yeah, I did. If, uh, for those of you who were uh, in that Bible today, I, I borrowed uh, an illustration from uh, Dr. Pavla in my undergrad, uh, one of my undergrad classes. He calls it the contextual river. And so it's this idea that you put yourself, uh, you know, metaphorically in this boat and you're going down this stream. And uh, when you when you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's never heard this story or knows very little bit about it, um, it's kind of like going down that river and you don't know. Sometimes you can see what's coming. And it's exactly what you expect, um, and it's comforting. It's great, but other times there'll be this bend, and you don't know what's around the corner. And when you know you read it, you're surprised by it. Um, and so that's a it's a good, it's a helpful way, and you can learn new things when you put yourself um, in the shoes of someone who hasn't read this before or doesn't know the story. And especially when it comes to the Christmas story and the first part of Luke, because you know this is something we've heard a lot. Uh, it, like you're, you're saying, uh, Pastor Marcus, there's these pictures we already have, um, and some of them are, you know, uh, maybe sanitized in a way. Um, and so we, we don't actually see or uh, realize or uh, let it resonate with us, uh, some of the powerful images, at least the way they actually were um, in that time, especially like, for example, Jesus being born um, in a stable. Um, that's kind of, we see this picture of um, a glowing stable with everything just pristine in reality. 
and, you know, Christ is coming into the lowliest of lowly places. Um, and so it isn't a pretty scene, and that's actually what makes it very powerful. Well, and then he, the preparation for his ministry, we kind of jump forward rather quickly uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And we don't know in any of the Gospels really a whole lot about uh, the young boy, Jesus, growing up. But uh, in chapters three and four, we see this preparation for his ministry. And and that's a rather interesting perspective, really, as we get into that, how uh, God prepares him for the work that's ahead uh, as he's going into it. Yeah, you have the the narrative of his his baptism and temptation, and then it's a pretty quick transition into the beginning of his ministry, uh, with his starting out in Galilee. And there's sort of this section that sort of that stands alone on some level of his ministry in Galilee, uh, the his interactions with the disciples, these kind of details, um, first first calls of the disciples. And that'll be that'll be a good chunk of our reading for this week. And uh, really, we won't make it all the way through Luke this week. We'll only make it up to chapter 16, which takes us into the journey to Jerusalem section. So you can see starting at uh, chapter 9, verse 51, uh, is when this section starts, where you see it's very laid out that it's in these three sections that you can sort of trace um, as these units that kind of get closer and closer and closer and uh, if you know the end of the story, you can sort of feel a little bit of maybe impending doom um, as he gets closer and closer as this as it steps a little bit along the way. And so we'll get through the a good portion of the first two sections of that journey. Um, so nine fifty one to thirteen twenty one, and then thirteen twenty two to seventeen ten will be the first two sections before we then kind of continue, finish up Jesus' journey, see his ministry in Jerusalem, um, the whole narrative of his passion, and then. The, the resounding climax of Luke, which is the res- resurrection narrative, which is pretty pretty expansive in Luke. We'll hear a little bit more about that next week, but the resurrection narrative has a lot of kind of cool and unique details in Luke's gospel as well. So it's a, I mean, like we've said, Luke has a lot of unique characteristics. We've, it won't be the first time or the last time we've talked about this, but uh, sometimes it's kind of, funny that there's four different gospels and they all are unique. And I think, as you said, Pastor Marcus, God uses these, these unique individual men to write these books and they all bring out different things. They all focus in on different things. And I think it's actually, uh, rather than being confusing, it can be something that's rich and uh, a blessing to us that we have these different perspectives on Christ that really they're all unified. Um, they don't teach different things about who Jesus was, but they maybe give us a different um, aspect of his identity, his mission, his ministry, different themes that we wouldn't see in other places. And Luke is, I mean, a great example of that as we're talking about these these other details. Well, and one of the things that uh, it's rather interesting, a congregation like Zion that doesn't just simply have uh, one pastor that does all the preaching. Uh, one of the interesting things for Zion right now is uh, we're awaiting the uh, arrival of our fifth vicar in a row. So for the last five years, every year there's been a new vicar. And and uh, Ben uh, was was a great preacher while he was here, got continually better. Uh, 
Aiden, also a very good preacher, has gotten better while he's here. I'm giving both of them compliments. They're kind of looking at me funny. Uh, but the, <laughs> the reason that that's important is that uh, Ben obviously did not preach like I do, nor does Aiden. Each brings their own perspective. But yet, nevertheless, uh, all three of the gentlemen that are on today, we all preach law and gospel. Uh, we want to preach the text as it speaks. Uh, and yet uh, my experiences and being in the ministry for 36 years is much different uh, than either Ben's or Aiden's. Uh, and Ben's is different than Aiden's is that uh, he's somewhat of a second career guy because he was working in the workforce before he went back to seminary. And so he has a different perspective than Aiden would have. That doesn't mean that one perspective is better than the other, but it just gives us a different view. And that's kind of what Aiden's talking about here with the different gospels. Uh, and it, the wonderful thing for the ministry here at Zion is we get to see some of that with the different perspectives. You know, one of the things, Ben, while you were here, uh, you weren't able to uh, draw to a close so much of the, the Luke. I mean, you, you uh, kind of handed it off to Aiden. Uh, so... Uh, this is your opportunity to kind of uh, draw the circle. You know, you didn't get a chance to kind of uh, bring your concluding. And I know you say you talk a little bit too much sometimes, but I this is your chance now to to fill in uh, some of those holes you weren't able to fill in at the end because it was time to go back to seminary and you weren't done with Luke yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> I could just say a lot of things, but uh, I think uh, <laughs> I think Aiden really, uh, he rounded off quite well. Um just some of the folks is uh, the, the resurrection narrative is very expansive um, in Luke. And you can see he's he's building to this crescendo that he's then going to pick up an axe. Um, uh, and so that would be very important. So as I was wrapping up, I probably would stress, yeah, the next place he's planning on going or uh, maybe has already went and um, depending on what order he wrote the books in. But uh, axe is the next place we, we would go. Um, uh, to learn more about Luke, which eventually I'm, you guys will be getting to that. Um, and so some of the other things that, you know, you already touched on, Aiden, but uh, there's this midpoint in the gospel, like this very significant midpoint. I think we actually did cover it uh, when I was there at Zion, but uh, 951, where um, it goes from Jesus' Galilean ministry to him refocusing towards the cross. And it literally says he set his face towards Jerusalem. Um, and it talks about how he, he basically knew what was coming. Um, and yet it's this really significant moment where he knows the cross is in his future. Uh, and yet he determinately sets his face towards Jerusalem and moves there. And so that's one of the biggest dividing points uh, in the gospel. And it's this moment of reorientation um, that Luke is trying to draw out for his readers. And then it's this trek towards the cross. And that includes, you know, the journey includes the ministry when he's in Jerusalem. Um, and then, of course, the passion narrative and um, then the resurrection narrative. Um, and it, one of the other interesting things as you're reading through um, along the journey, well, throughout Luke, but especially along the journey, there's a lot of uh, unique parables. Luke loves to use parables. Uh, he uses the most out of all the Gospels. Depending on you, I ask, they'll give you different numbers, but most would agree there's about 28 parables. And so there's unique, especially in chapter 15, there's some unique parables uh, with the lost coin, the lost sheep, um, and they draw out some uh, some interesting things. It goes back to, again, he, he's upholding women. Um, he's doing a lot of things that others have not. And so it's this this really powerful 
picture of the inclusiveness of the gospel that is really brought out in that journey, but throughout the, the whole uh, book as well, uh, that the gospel is for all people. And it's not as if it's not part of the other gospels, but Luke just seems to really, really push that point. And it makes sense when you think about his audience. He's writing to a very broad audience. He's writing a, not specifically to a Gentile audience, but he's writing to an audience that he recognizes isn't Jewish and doesn't have all the background um, and maybe having questions of, you know, is this is this for me? Is this uh, just Jesus guy? Is does this have something to do with me? Um, it seems like it's a you know a Jewish thing. Um, does this include me? And so you can see that Luke really uh, drives at home that it is for all. Um, and then of course he jumps into Acts, and that just comes out all the more clear. Yeah, something else that I I had noted when I was going through, and we actually got to them those those uh, parables in and talking about the lost coin and the lost sheep, and then the what we often refer to as the prodigal son, um, which is really about the two brothers and their their father. Um, maybe the prodigal son is a little bit of a too narrow of a title for the parable, but the the theme that really goes through those parables, but also the whole gospel, is this theme of. Um, maybe we could call it the the great reversal. There's sort of, it's things are upside down. Uh, Mary is this lowly girl who sings this song about how the lowly are lifted up and the high are brought low, um, which this is an Old Testament theme too. I think we talked about it back in the book of Samuel um, with David, with Hannah, with these characters that are the the lowly ones who are lifted up and it's this amazing work of God. God demonstrates his power and glory by using those who are weak and lowly and even sinful um, for his purposes. And so pay attention to that through this, this gospel too. It's definitely in those two parables. It's definitely in the Magnificat Mary's song uh, near the beginning of the gospel. And uh, that would be another big one. You see Jesus really go after the secure, powerful people, um, and the sinners and tax collectors and all the people who are who are lowly are all around him. They're listening. And uh, that extends on for us to put ourselves in that too. Um, for us to know that, you know, we, we too, the lowly, those who know our sin, know our own histories, can gather around Christ, uh, maybe gather to his table, gather around his word. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty cool connection for us to have to the gospel as well. This has been an uh, awesome time to be able to uh, hear again from our former vicar, Vicar Rantham, as we continue our trek through the scriptures. We really want to thank uh, Ben uh, for taking time to be with us today. I know that this has been an opportunity for us to share uh, where his ministry is going and what things were like back when he went back to the seminary. Uh, one of the things that's sometimes difficult for uh, the members here at Zion is as we change year to year with the new vicar, uh, you get real close to the vicar that's here and all of a sudden they're gone. Uh, then you uh, get reintroduced to a new vicar and start to feel comfortable with him and and he's gone. Uh, so this was a way for us to be able to share with our listeners here on our podcast uh, a little bit of that, but also uh, bring some of the expertise that Ben brought while he was here going through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we really wish the Lord's blessings as uh, Ben prepares for both ordination and installation. And again, we'll be sharing that information more current as that when this podcast uh, is uh, posted. Uh, but we wish the Lord's blessings upon Ben. Thank, thank you, uh, Ben, for being with us today. 
And uh, we thank Aiden again as he's helped us as we've gone through our trek through the scriptures. We really uh, ask that the Lord bless you in your reading of Luke as we began with the infant narrative and uh, really uh, going along the journey uh, as we will continue that journey next week again as we will get into the passion narrative. But ask Lord's blessings upon you in your reading this week. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Trek Through the Scriptures this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time as we continue our exploration of God's story in the scriptures. God bless your reading this week.